Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. All right, praise the Lord, everyone. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And so good to have brother and sister Ewan back with us. We always miss them when they're not here. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to call your attention this morning to the book of Judges, the chapter number 12, or chapter number 5, and we're going to read verses 12 and 13. And uh, here we go. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake. Sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Ibanon. Then the survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. Amen. And we're going to, uh, there's a lot of scripture in between, but uh, just for the sake of time and reading here, I just wanted to read those two verses with you. Amen. And uh, I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought. Psalm. 11, 20, 22. Now, you got to think about that for a minute, okay? We're reading the song of Deborah. What is your song today? That's, there is no Psalm 11, 20, okay? 11, 20, 22. That's today's date. Amen. Praise God. I wonder if you'd lift your hearts to the Lord. Amen. And just one more time, if you would. Amen. And just ask the Lord to touch us here with his word this morning. Most heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege, God, of even coming together as your people, Lord. We thank you for the light of the gospel that someone preached to us one day, Lord. And the faith, God, that you gave us to receive it, Lord, and act upon it, Lord. We're here this morning, Jesus, because we love you and we want to serve you with all that is within us, God. Touch us here today with your word. We promise you that we will give you the glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Praise God. A hundred years ago, America found herself in a period of time called the Roaring Twenties. How many of you were around? Why, nobody. The nation's wealth had doubled as well as the gross national product expanded 40% during that time period. In 1912, an estimated 16% of American homes had electricity. Hello, young people. <laughs> By the mid-1920s, this had increased to 60%. This new electric power brought about new technology, wash machines, freezers, vacuum cleaners, movie theaters, and the automobile. America was swept into an affluent consumer culture. They saw the same advertisements. They purchased the same goods while listening to a new sound of music called jazz. The jazz age of the 20s roared loud and long until the excesses of the roaring 20s came crashing down as the economy tanked at the end of the decade. Anybody ever read that in your history books? America went into a state of depression. I say that literally. We know it as the Great Depression. America went into a Great Depression. Money failed, no jobs, the Dust Bowl produced no crops, soup lines was the common. The most famous song to come out of that depression was Bing Crosby's edition of Brother, Can You Spare Me a Dime. The song goes that it asks why the men who built the nation, who fought in the war, who tilled the ground, could find themselves standing in the same soup lines of despair. Some historians are of the opinion it took an event called Pearl Harbor in 1941 to awaken the sleeping giant lying in a state of depression. Listen carefully to Judges 5 and 8. They chose new gods. Then war came to their gates. No spear or shield was found among 40,000, the Bible says. This does not necessarily mean there were no weapons, but that could imply that there was no leadership, there was no warriors to take on that particular day. 
In fact, the Japanese Admiral Yamamoto, who planned the attack on Pearl Harbor, was reported to have written in his diary after that successful attack. He says, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. You know the rest. It would be good for you to study American history from this period that produced what has been called the greatest generation. See, the Song of Deborah is one of the oldest writings in the entire Bible and one of very few written by a woman. Study it out. It is thought to actually have been written by Deborah herself very near the time right after this particular battle. We know nothing of her history or background other than we're told that she had a husband by the name of Lapidoth, of which the Bible does not tell us whether he was still alive at that time or not. Just for kicks, we can look at the meaning of his name. If you want to go to Strong's Concordance, you'll find it, 3940. His name means lamp or flame, firebrand or burning lamp. I wonder this morning, I question as I was doing my study, I wonder... Did this woman catch fire from her husband or did she catch fire because her husband's fire went out? Good question. Husbands, are you the one Carrying the torch? Because what we do know in this story was that Deborah ended up in the position that God had placed her in. Either way, the Bible records, here's what we know. It says that she was a mother of Israel. In other words, she had given birth to children who were caught up in this particular era of time that we'll get into in just a little bit. But she had given birth. Mothers give birth to babies with dreams and hopes that they are going to find what we have always called that American dream and they're going to be healthy and they're going to be able to enjoy and embrace the joys and the happiness of childhood. And we're told that she was a mother of Israel, but something inside of her with it couldn't stand what she was looking at in that particular day. How about it, mothers? What we do know is that somehow, some way, that fire that first 
dwelled in her husband, it did carry over into her spirit. We're told that she was a prophetess who judged Israel at that time. What time was it? It was a period of time in Israel when the Canaanites had regained territory in the promised land. In other words, the enemy had taken over parts of God's plan, parts of God's promise that they were never intended to inhabit. The Canaanite army of 900 chariots led by General Sisera. And for the past 20 years, these Canaanites had oppressed God's people to the point where traveling the roads was unsafe due to getting mugged. Hello? It wasn't even safe to go to the well for water. Chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us that when war came to the city gates, there was no spear or shield among 40,000 in Israel. In other words, there was nobody that would meet the enemy at the gate of their city and make a stand for God. See, Deborah did not just appear all of a sudden with such a powerful word from God. Her voice was not recognized by the people because of her diploma or because of her license or because of her badge of rank. She didn't have, nor did she need, a corner office with nice furnishings. Her office, we're told, her headquarters was under a palm tree. And her voice had been proven over a period of time. People were drawn to her because they were consistently helped. Listen to me. People were drawn to her because they were consistently helped by her ministry, which is the biblical acid test. Hello. People are drawn to those that are able to offer wise counsel and advice. People are drawn people were drawn to her not because they, she had a UPCI license hanging on her wall, not because she had a nice office looking across the street at the BMW dealership. They were drawn to her because they believed that what she had to offer was going to help them. And it proved to be right. Thank you, Brother Ollie, for that lesson this morning. That is the biblical leadership acid test of your ministry this morning is whether people have enough faith in you that they will come to you in their time of need. Are you with me? But today, Deborah receives a message from God that woke her up. 
that woke her up with a promise of victory over the depression of God's people. Listen carefully. You will not find in the Word of God any other place except in the book of Samuel where that word, where it is repeated, something is repeated four times. Awake! Awake, Deborah! You have been under this palm tree. You have set yourself up. You have been very intent on listening to the wise counsel of God. You've not played into the hands of the enemy. Awake, awake, Deborah. And it does, he says, awake, awake four times. Four times she's told to wake up. That simply means that, that God was saying, Deborah, you got to stir yourself. You got to stir that fire that was once delivered to you when I baptized you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You got to stir it, Deborah. You got to wake up. The only other time I know of that God spoke four times was to young Samuel. We are told before the lamp went out in the temple. Four is the number of all creation from the east to the south to the west to the north. Every season, whether it's fall, spring, summer, or spring, or whatever the other one is. This message, it was the message was that you've got to stir yourself. You've got to wake up and face the day that you are living in. Because if you don't wake up, who else will? Samuel. You know the story. He went to Eli once, twice, three. Eli says, it's not the voice of man. You go back down and you lay again. And the fourth time, that voice came again. And he realized that he had a message from God. Before the light went out. Church, I don't know what day it is. Other than it is 11, 20, 22. And what is the song that we are singing today? Is it the victory march of the gospel of Christ? Are you standing in front of your home? Are you standing on that front porch? Are you standing in the gates of that city? And you say, devil, not in my home, not in my city, not in my home. Wake up, Deborah, and write this song. Write it. She reflects back, remembering the time that God delivered Israel out of Egypt. She is reflecting. 
She is remembering the great song of Miriam that wrote so many years ago how that God had delivered his people. And God was saying, Deborah, this is the same. Today, God is going to do something great in your life. It's so easy to get fired up on Sunday. It's so easy. It's so easy to get fired up on Sunday morning. I don't sleep well on any other day, but on Sunday morning, you don't know what time I got up this morning. You understand? Is is we 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 forget it's not just Sunday, it's not just Wednesday, but there's a Monday and there's a Tuesday and there's a Thursday and there's a Friday and there's a Saturday. God's saying today, He's saying today, if you will wake up, I'm gonna show you what I intend to do. Says Deborah. You got a word. I've got a word that's going to transfer through you. You're going to be the channel for General Barak. Here's what you say to him Barak, rise up. God wants to give you dominion over those who are holding you and this nation under depression. Deborah's part was not to take up the sword. Her part was to get close to God and receive His Word. And through His Word flowing through her, she was to encourage and inspire faith in God's people to carry their faith into action. Deborah... I woke you up. Your job, your mission is to wake up Barak. You got to wake him up, Deborah. How are you going to do that? Here's what. I want you to wake him up with this message. The message is, Barak, go this day. The Lord has given you your enemy into your hand. She says, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Do we still, do we yet understand that Jesus took on the world and he destroyed the power of the devil? He destroyed him. He didn't just put him on hold, but he destroyed him. He cut his head off. You gotta wake up. You gotta wake up. You gotta let this word, the word that I'm giving you, Deborah, you gotta, you gotta tell him. You gotta preach it. You gotta teach it. You gotta make sure those people are awake because there is a day coming that we may not be the affluent culture that we hold so dearly with materialism and nice homes and nice cars. There may come a different day.
Deborah said to Barak, go, go Barak, this day, this day, God woke me up and he said, he said, Deborah, this is the message. You tell that general that he is to go and he is to take on 900 chariots. You do know that it was against the law for Israel to even have horses. That's right. They weren't even supposed to have horses when they went to battle. You know why? Because Psalms 20, whatever it is, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. He didn't want them to depend on the military might. He wanted them to know that he was going to go before them. And all they had to do was follow through with the faith that he gave them through his word. Wake him up. We know the story. Barak's faith was hesitant. Whoa, 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 wait a minute here. You can only imagine, right? He'd never questioned her message. Nope, never questioned her message. But he questioned his own courage and faith. He said, I can't go unless you're with me. Unless you go beside me. Why is that? Listen carefully. You know why that is? Because the people trusted and they had faith in the word of God that came from a proven source. We don't hear of Barak being a prophet with a message from God. She says, you need to get 10,000. Let the battle cry go out, 10,000. That's the number God gave me. He says, you need 10,000 men to take this. We don't know the number of the army. All we know is they had 900 chariots. A foot soldier during those days taking on a chariot would be like taking on a Sherman tank with a 22. Listen carefully. Would you believe me if I told you that in the 350 years of the era of judges, this is the only recorded song? There were no songs of triumph. There were no songs of victory in the 350. 50 years of the judges, except this one. You don't think that your worship is important? You don't think that your, that your praise is important? You don't think that you should show up on a work during a service and give it your all and sing from the very depths of your soul? 
for 350 years, the people heard. They were, there were no new songs written. Thank you, Brother Long. Some of the songs he has written are absolutely inspirational. So the call went out. We need 10,000. 10,000. That's the number. Against 900 chariots of iron. No problem. That call goes out. Naphtali, Zubalim. Bible says they willingly offer themselves. Gilead, those on the other side of Jordan. He figures he's safe. Why stir the pot? Better be careful when the battle cry is given and you are too far away from the assembly. You think that you will survive in a state of non-responsibility, accountability? They were on the other side of the Jordan. I said, hey, dude, we're good over here. Sister Ray is on your side. We don't care about what happens over there. Oh, Dan, we're told he's busy with his ships of commerce. He's too busy. I mean, he's got a lot of gold and silver coming in and going. The ships are loaded down with monkeys and whatever else, you know, trades uh, the Far East and everything. And he says, well, I'd like to, but, dude, business is just too good right now. And so far, the enemy hasn't came and pirated one of my ships. Reuben, the Bible says, gave it a lot of thought. His heart thought about it a lot. In other words, could we say maybe he was under conviction? Call get, went out, and Reuben sat down with this, you know, with the, they had a board meeting and they gave it a lot of thought, but they decided the time wasn't right. For us to get involved in a war. But oh, Naphtali and Zubalan are on the move. They're coming down. The Bible says, listen, notice the irony of where the battle is taking place. A place called Megiddo. You'll find that in the book of Revelation. Okay. The Bible says that there we don't know how much armed they are. We have no idea, but we got to believe that there was about 10,000 soldiers. They came down into the valley of Megiddo to take on the 900 chariots of iron. I could almost imagine that through, you got to understand, if they were to that point, I believe that they had the attitude of David when he was staring Goliath in the face. And he says, are you kidding me? Is there not a cause? And I believe that they were on the offensive movement towards Sisera and those 900 chariots. They were saying, we are coming to get you. Watch carefully. 
as soon as God saw the church on the offensive, you'll have to read. You've got to read it, chapter 4 and chapter 5. I don't have time to go through it all, but trust me, it's in there, okay? As soon as God saw his people on the move, forwarded and compelled and impelled, not by some fictitious, you know, preacher in a million-dollar home driving a, you know, whatever, whatever, driving a 2022 Accord. No, no, no. They were moved because of faith that had been transferred to them through the message that was given to the preacher on down to the general and to the public. And once it got into their hearts, there was no stopping them. And watch, the Bible says that when they began to take on the on Caesarea and his army that had come up through the Kishon River, whatever, the Bible says that the stars of heaven began to move. And if you could use your imagination, God began to move over that Dead Sea, collecting, putting together, if you would, a smart atomic a storm bomb. And when he got to the enemy, he dropped that thing on him, the Bible says, and he destroyed, he destroyed the entire army except for the general. And there was another lady that was going to take care of him by giving him a nice warm glass of milk. And you'll have to read it. We don't have time. You know the story. You understand, as soon as they begin to move in the right direction, God says, you watch what he says today. He says, Deborah, I woke you up today. And this is the day that you are going to put your enemy. In fact, the Bible says, she tells Barak, you are going to take those that are holding you captive and you're going to be leading them into captivity at the end of the day. Dropping a smart bomb of torrential rain upon those chariots completely destroyed them. He made me have dominion over the mighty. Some boast in chariots, some trust in horses, but all we have to fight this war of good against evil is the precious word of God that every word, every crossing of the T, every dotting of the I is God inspired. In other words, it came directly, expressly from heaven's throne. She had told Barak, he says, God will go before you. God will go before you. Ephesians 4.8. Wow. 
when Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. You understand? Is it every devil that was bothering the church before that she was blood washed and spirit filled? Before that era, Jesus said, you better watch out because when I get this thing going in the right direction, I'm going to take every captive that is holding you into sin and having dominion over you. I'm going to take him to the cross. I'm going to nail it there. And then I will put it in the grave with me. I will leave it in the grave. But I will come out of that grave victorious. And when I ascend up on high, I will lead every captive captive. I will bind them, church. Go to Jerusalem and wait until I get there, Jesus said. Go to Jerusalem. You wait until I get there. And when I get there, I'm going to baptize you. I'm going to unleash that spiritual storm cloud of glory upon you. Oh, I don't think you're with me. He said, when I, he says, you go to Jerusalem and you just wait until I get there. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, he unleashed heaven's glory. He unleashed the power of heaven. His Blood atonement was unleashed. His word was unleashed. His spirit is unleashed. And the gospel is our song. Luke 10, 19. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. What about that depression? I said I give you the power over it, didn't I? What about my emotional scarred baggage from my, all my failures in the past? Did I not tell you that I was going to give you victory? Oh, but what about my timid nature? You know, my money. I'm an introvert. I can't do nothing. Oh. Let me assure you. Because I am a witness, you have no leg to stand on. You got no clue. You talk to my, what's her noggin back there that I've been around for 46 years. She can tell you when we got married. <laughs> we want to see if you're awake. I, if I was in a crowd, it would be three people, unless I was a little, you know, off balance. Then I was good. Do you understand? God said, no, 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 no. 
He says, I want you to know that if you will wake up and that if you will get a hold of the power of this message, if you will take it in, not just in repentance, not just in baptism, but if you will get the holy thing in three. Let's see if you're awake still. If you, who's the writer Haggai? He says, in three days he will revive us. But if we go on to know the Lord, then he will, he will, he will burst forth the former rain and the latter rain. Okay, Deborah. But here's the real thing, okay? Now that God has done great things for you, why don't you just break out and do a little bit of song of praise to him and let him know how thankful that you are, that you are no longer addicted to drugs or addicted to this. Or Why don't you just tell him? Why don't you write your own song on 11-20-22 and say, God, you are awesome in my life. You see, leaders do not win a cause. It is won by the followers. Jesus started this thing. Do you realize how much confidence that he has in you? He started it. But the winners are the ones that are still following him. We're the winners. We win the battles. He is the source. He's the resource. But I am and you are. You're the Deborah. You are the Barak. You are the Naphtali and the Zebulun. You are the ones that are following his lead because you know he is going to go before you. He's going to prepare the way when you see a soul and you plant that seed. He's already been there. You know why? Because he loves that soul more than you do. As you stand with us. But we listen carefully. Listen carefully. There was one group that had a problem. Listen to this. Verse number 23. Curse you, morose said the angel of the Lord, curse you bitterly. Whoa. What's that all about? It says, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. I didn't write it. I read it. 
In other words, they were in inactive duty during an active war. Historians know little or nothing about this group other than apparently they lived in close proximity to the battle. And they chose not to get involved. They chose not to get involved. I said, well, you know, I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want to, you know, I don't want the people to know that that I think that Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the invisible God in the form of a human being, and he is the one that sits on the throne, and there is no triune anything. And I don't want to draw the line and, you know, take a stand and say, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's, you know, I, I forget the, the Barna Research Group that has a study, they do studies of Christianology, and they say that there's like it now, I think about 30% of a, a particular generation that believe, they, they wear the badge of Christianity, but they still believe that the, you know, they're, that we're all going to get to the same place if you are a particular other religion. Well, I, I, yeah, okay, I didn't, okay, I just, I'm just reading the book, okay. Jesus said, I, I am, I am. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody, nobody gets there except through In active duty. Well, let me, let me just, if you are, if you wear the uniform and you're in inactive duty today, I want you to know that you've just been called up. Okay? You've just been called up. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. I challenge you to search it. There is nowhere in the entire Word of God that I can find, and some of you are smarter than I am, okay? So you might pull it out of the hat somewhere, but nowhere do I ever find in the Word of God where it's repeated four different times. Why? Because it was an era of time of deep depression that had went on for 20 years in God's people. They had allowed the enemy to take over some of their territory. And in doing so, they had disarmed them. And they had accepted a spirit of timidity and a willingness to sit back and be mugged. I hope I'm making sense to you this morning. Wake up, church. 
wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. I don't know if it's going to be a repeat of 100-year syndrome. It's looking a little cloudy out there to me. I like sunshine, right? But I mean, it's a little bit cloudy out there. And One of the most fascinating stories that I've ever read in my life is a story of Joan of Arc. Ridiculous. Absolutely insane ridiculous. That a 16-year-old peasant girl saw her country, France, being completely demoralized by England with nobody to step up. At 16, she believed God instilled in her religion. I, I'm just repeating the history is all I'm doing. I'm not saying that it was of God or anything else. I'm just saying the history, okay? She went and she tried to get people to accept her message. They said, are you crazy? You're a 16-year-old girl. You've never even rode a horse. She kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on until she led her nation into victory. making it up, okay? It's still in the history. They may throw it out someday, but it's still in there now. And one day during the heat of the battle when she first started out, okay? Matter of fact, I've got one, I've got a, her book on file in my iPad. Mark Twain wrote it, by the way. And one day when she was, she was leading the charge, one of the generals looked at her and she said, well, he said, you know, Joan, you go bouncing over those walls of the enemy. There ain't nobody going to be following you. She looked at him and she says, I won't be looking back to see. I wonder what would happen. if a mother of Israel would awaken this morning. I wonder what would happen if a husband would catch fire. I wonder what would happen if a wife would catch fire from her husband and they become an Aquila and a Priscilla. I wonder what would happen if there was a barrack out there that had the opportunity to influence 10,000 men. I wonder what would happen. No looking back. Jesus said, you start this race, you put your hand to the plowshare, and you look back, you are not worthy. You understand? That's looking back. He says, man, once you get a hold of this thing, it's fast forward. It's fast forward. Dominion. 
reclaiming, persevering, getting a hold of this. Dad's getting a hold of this and stilling it into the next generation, into your children. And I love that song, that your children's children and your children's children and your, to a thousand generations. That's what we're about. Number 10, if you could, I know you'd be celebrating today. You talk a man that, about a man that has been delivered. What is your song today? What is, is, your, is yours a song of victory? Is yours a song of triumph? If it isn't, today you need to write a new verse to that song. As they play and sing, we're going to invite you. We're going to open the altar here this morning. And I challenge you, children, kids, come on. Moms, come on. If you are a mother here today, then you are a mother that has given birth to a generation that is depending on you to set the record straight. If you're a father here today, if you are a man today, then by all means, I challenge you to come and visit this altar this morning. The Bible says that they willingly offered themselves to the battlefront. They offered themselves. In other words, they said, God, you promised victory. I just want you to know that I'm willing to lay my life on the battlefield and you take over from there. I want you to bring the storm clouds of that Holy Ghost outpouring and deluge Unleash your glory here. If you're here this morning and there's a need in your life, I want you to know that the God that we serve and the God that we preach, He has all power and He will give you victory over everything this morning. Come on, folks. Come on, we'll make room for you. Come on down. Come on down. I'm gonna Come see on, sing it. Yes, come on. Yeah, let's sing. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, guys, let's worship him. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Sing it. Come on. Come on, worship him. 
Tell him, tell him how thankful you are that he has given you such a victory in your life. He's delivered you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Find somebody to lift their arms up to heaven. Pray for. Come on, lift one another up. Lift one another up. Come on. Find somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Encourage them. Inspire them. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. That's it. Come on. need special prayer? Do you need special prayer this morning? Oh, come on. Are you sick in body? Are you going through something that you want the Lord to give you victory over? If you'll come right down here to the front, we will anoint you. Amen. We will pray with you and we will watch. Hallelujah. And we will listen for the victory that God's going to give you. Come on. Here we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hold me that over there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, we're going to pray for Sister Karen. Help us pray here. Come on. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you know God. You know, Lord. We pray, God, victory, Lord. Triumph, Lord. Through the name of Jesus we pray. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Worship is the way that the battle is won. 
Come on. Praise him for the victory. The weapons we use on a bomb and gun. Yeah, come on. Every knee shall bow. Every 